Welcome to the next instalment in our podcast series, It's the People Stupid. Uh, today, we want to talk about a topic which has been around forever and a day in terms of any organisation and ever since workers were organised into groups to, to manufacture or to process, which is organisational development and design. Um, it's a sort of developed a badge over more recent years and OD&D as it is known has become a far more uh, frequent and key topic in the area of HR and within HR professionals but it's been something that's been in existence for a long time and if I look back to fabulous books like Jim Collins' Good to Great first published in 2001 the whole idea of having the right person in the right seat on the bus in simple terms is around organisational development and design so today Katie and I want to discuss this in practical terms, in what it means, what it means to businesses, particularly the SME sector, and how it can help and impact on businesses in a positive way in this very changeable environment. Katie Foster is a senior HR consultant at Cream HR. So Katie, do you want to give a brief summary of your thoughts on what OD&D is all about? Absolutely, yes. So, yeah, as you say, organisational design and development, organisational development and design, everybody calls it something slightly different. The idea is that it's about looking at your business and designing where it goes. And sometimes I think when we talk about HR, um, the concept of operational HR is what comes to mind first of all. So getting contracts ready, getting handbooks ready, maybe a bit more work around culture, um, people think about uh, handling disciplinaries and grievances, quite a lot of reactive practices um, that, you know, you, you have a vacancy, you have to recruit for it, or you have, you know, certain issues and you need to deal with them. But actually, what, what we are talking about as part of organisational design and development is that uh, you can plan for the future. So you can um, look at where your business is going to go and then how you're going to get there and that can be led by internal factors and it can be led by external factors and it can be led by things that are completely out of your control that you don't know that's coming you look at the, the last couple of years that we've just come and I'd be fairly shocked if anybody's OD&D plan had we may have a uh, global pandemic on our <laughs> on our cards for, for 2020 but what you can do is look at what you think is going to be around the corner. So is your company looking at moving into a new market next year and therefore you're going to need a whole uh, different group of uh, skill sets amongst your employees and therefore going to need to look at how you train that? Are you just going to need a whole load of new employees that are going to be need to be recruited? Are you going to um, actually stay as you are, but you want to develop your staff? So it's looking at that area of business in terms of how it's going to change and how you can forecast and plan around that. I think, yeah, thank you for that. The, the, from a practical point of view recently, you've just made me think about some of the work we've been doing over recent weeks and recent times and this the majority of our work is within the SME sector and a lot of it is with relatively fast growing businesses who might be quite early in their development. Uh, that's a classic case for me of 
organizational design changing and the impact that that has on an organization quite often if a business for example started 10 years ago um, it's very unusual and very unlikely in a fast-growing business that lots of the people who started in certain key roles in that business will necessarily be in them 10 years later um, but the planning part of that is actually the important bit it's rather than being reactive as you said to circumstances and having to make knee-jerk reactions it's about looking ahead at what the forecasts are and maturing as a business absolutely and you look at things like brexit for example um don't bring brexit up. <laughs> but the thing was brexit there was a vote and the decision was made and no matter how you might feel about it one way or the other it, it was coming and so um i know some of the work that we did with our clients was looking at what the impact of Brexit was going to be on their business and how they were going to work that and for lots of people that fell into you know how are we going to work out issues around border controls and customs and things but actually the people side of that did get forgotten or overlooked or perhaps nobody realized the, the impact of that I guess some of the challenges we're seeing around um, around uh, recruitment at the moment and and people being available for work isn't just driven by Brexit. We, we did have a pandemic that will have exacerbated that. However, I think um, if you took Brexit as an example, and we were sat here, you know, in 2016, when it was voted for, um, that we'd sit there and go, right, okay, this is going to have a dramatic impact on our availability to recruit people from Europe because they're not going to be able to come in as easily. So what do we need to do about that? Well, we need to look at our internal skills. Can we develop people here? Can we have a longer term recruitment drive that specializes in those skills? Can we go grassroots with that and go out to colleges and schools? You know, if you're in the hospitality industry, which was an industry that relied a lot on European workers, um, can we go out to colleges and schools and spread the word about working in hospitality and uh, maybe work with apprenticeship programs and things and bring in homegrown talent to make sure that we're protected against some of the changes that are going to happen. So it's looking at those things that we know are going to be happening and working out how we can make our business as robust as possible in an ever-changing climate for things that are coming up down the line. I think Brexit's a really interesting one. Uh, and I don't want to dwell on Brexit, but I think mm -hmm. for so many businesses, it was quite unknown, uncertain, the consequences or the impact was, you know, you've got the fear factor on one side and other people saying it was, you know, there's no impact whatsoever. And the reality was it largely depended on the sector you worked in. Um, obviously, if you're in a business that's heavily involved in exports and the EU being a market, you knew you were going to have a big impact there, but other businesses, the impact was probably a bit further down the line. At the moment, of course, as we're teetering on the edge of recession um, and in a very interesting and challenging economic world, um, restructures become a big part of the work we've been doing as well, where businesses are looking at worst case scenarios. So whether that's certain revenue streams drying up, it might be a result of Brexit and the lack of resource in certain areas, certainly hospitality. Uh, hotels and such we've experienced people really struggling to recruit but there's the other side of that in terms of the restructuring is a, a little bit more normal you know, we, we go through peaks and troughs as economies so organizations are generally fairly comfortable about how well they can plan and forecast around that so i guess there's two sides to it there is one that's 
is a little bit more known, restructuring, because we think something is changing or we can see revenues falling or a sector of the business is, 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 is failing for whatever reason, whereas Brexit was a little bit more unknown. So I guess you've got different challenges in those situations. Uh, how would you sort of tackle those? What's your thoughts? I think absolutely. And I think that the concept of restructure is that that usually means redundancies. Mm. Um, but actually, it, it doesn't have to. No. So if the business is looking like it's going to have some challenging times up ahead, it's a case of working out what those challenging times are going to be. Are those challenging times going to mean that we're going to run out of money and therefore run out of work, run out of opportunities and therefore need to look at whether there is sufficient work to keep everybody on for a redundant and, and therefore a redundancy process might need to be considered or whether it's more a case of there might not necessarily be the growth that was planned. Um, so if you had done some workforce planning around getting people ready for certain roles because you thought additional business was going to come your way and now it's not, actually it doesn't necessarily have to mean redundancies. It might mean looking at, okay, we're going to have to skill these people in a different way. Mm. Um, and restructures can also happen because you have people that want to, you know, business isn't going to change. It's not going to get better, but it's also not going to get worse. It's not going to change. It's going to stay how it is, but actually perhaps you have maybe a relatively small sort of 20 to 50 team and you have people in that that want to grow and develop. But if you operate a fairly either a small team or a flat structure, there's not going to be loads of opportunities for those people to move into big promotions and things like that. So actually you can do restructures to look at how you multi-skill your workforce so that they can work in different departments and things and that gives them the uh, additional skills that improves their engagement, that, that makes them enjoy their work a little bit more so you can do restructures for lots of different reasons sometimes it's seen as a bit of a negative thing um yeah, but think, it doesn't actually have to be no and, and coming back to your earlier point about the challenging recruitment market we, op we, we operate and live in at the moment I, I do certainly recognize that a lot of businesses now realize that people are an investment rather than a cost in the business and that's where that comes in is probably looking at we have people whom we know are good they work well they're smart they work hard so rather than simply uh, going through if you like a traditional route of restructure equals redundancy and we simply you know, people leave the business and we carry on and at some point in the future we start recruiting again this is more about how do we adapt and use the resource we've got. Are they people that we can reskill? Can we use them in a different way and actually hold on to that skill set and that workforce rather than losing them, but just adapt our organisational design to meet the business needs? Massively, that will have come into the pandemic because, of course, as you said, nobody had foreseen, or certainly you know, four years ago, you hadn't foreseen that we were going to have a closed world for the best part of two years. Um, and the whole nature of the way of work changed, but also work changed as a result. So there'll be businesses that are nothing like what they looked like before the pandemic as a result of the pandemic that are still successful, thriving, doing well, but in a completely different way. Absolutely. And I think sometimes an important point to add as well in this is the role of HR. So I think when COVID happened and organisations had to change their, their design and the way their business operated, from what we heard and from what we were seeing, a lot of a lot of businesses seem to make those decisions top down 
um, mm. and in fairly small kind of clusters of maybe operations, MD, finance people, perhaps. And it's so common that we see the HR is forgotten about, despite the fact that actually some of your biggest challenges are going to be around what you do with your people. Um, and not just in COVID, obviously in COVID, we had furlough, we had redundancies, we had um, uh, really difficult staffing challenges, but we also had low morale, we had mental health, we had physical health, we had everything that you can throw at sort of HR teams and people teams. And yet sometimes the role of HR in that planning bit, in that organisation design, in that how are we going to react to these problems or proactively plan for these problems, how are we going to address that? HR surely has a massive seat at that table. It's uh, one of our favourite topics, Katie, as you know, <laughs> is this, this the whole idea that so many organisations view HR as a response or a reactive part of the business, we'll get to them and they can do what we're going to tell them to do, whereas yeah. its role should be massively positive. It's about looking ahead, looking at this wonderful resource that the business has, has got at its disposal and how to use it. So I agree with you wholeheartedly. It just made me think back to many years ago when I was working with a tech firm in London and uh, they were American owned. And it literally would just, you'd get a spreadsheet from the senior team in the States that would just take people off a list. It was literally oh an Excel spreadsheet saying these people are going. And it had absolutely zero connection to what people did in the business, the value they held, how they were working. It was simply a bean counter looking at numbers going, we need to get this much money off the budget. And it's brutal and it was wrong. I was very fortunate, the person I'm thinking of, and I won't mention his name, but he was a really inspirational CEO and he fought back against it. He wouldn't accept it because the people sending him the numbers, he would just challenge them and say, tell me what they do. You know, do you have a, any idea of what this business is about over here? We make a lot of money. You're not making money, so you're not cutting our heads on the base of this. But that's, that was very rare at that time. I've got a really similar example. And again, I won't give any names, but this was related to a relative who um, worked for an organisation that was publicly funded, we can say, <laughs> but they had um, uh, the organisation, the department wasn't operating as economically efficiently as it should. So they had some independent investigators come in and draw up a report as to what the concerns were. And the concerns were that there were too many managers and not enough people on the ground. But of course, the report got delivered to the managers. <laughs> so they made a number of redundancies and not a single manager got made redundant. Like, and this is this is the problem is that, mm. you know, they're just looking at, well, how can we cut costs? Well, we get rid of a number of bodies and that's fine. But then you've got nobody doing the work. <laughs> and that's that's why HR is so important to have a seat at the table and say, this isn't just money. This is, well, what work do we need doing? Mm. And it's something, you know, when we talk about restructures, it's something that you always say, you don't, you don't make redundancies because you don't have any money. You make redundancies because you don't have enough work. Mm. And so that's that's why hr and for a number of other reasons does have a seat at that table i think it's or should in this changed world I, I, i'm encouraged that one of the outcomes from the pandemic has been a much greater focus on the employees in a business for whatever reason we've gone through 
And remote working, well, that dispelled all the myths of people can't work from home effectively. You know, the number of businesses who used to refuse flexible working requests is staggering. And all of a sudden, everybody was working at home. And look what happened. It was great. People were doing a good job. That's now gone full circle in that we've got this definitely changed work world. The world of work isn't going to be the same. You now have different challenges. So I read a really interesting article the other day, and I'm trying to remember who it was published by. I think it was the CEO of Airbnb. Um, it was around the problems that loneliness now comes into the equation of how one of the real benefits of working in an organization was the social interaction and the fact that people are now struggling with loneliness. And it's a very, very valid point. I don't like working from home. I'm very much a social animal. I like people and working with people. Um, so I think the, next, the, the last couple of years has allowed HR to take a, a more prominent seat at the table. The importance from that is, of course, then how does HR in business make the most of that opportunity that it's got? So what are the things you think it needs to look out for? What are the things that you think are important for it to deliver successfully to make sure that they don't squander this opportunity to be a more, a more influential part of the business? So I think it it's a case of starting with looking at what are the priorities going to be and then we work out how we're going to get to those so um so for example we're working um with a client at the moment who wants to develop their business um, and they want to expand the offer that they the services that they offer um, and in order to do that they need to have a stronger team um, and they were trying to work out the order in which to do that um, and we had a lot of discussions about short, medium and long-term goals. So right now they need more bodies to deliver it, but ultimately they're going to need more expertise to deliver more diverse services. Um, and the sort of next stage, the longer term stage, is that actually they want to be more removed from the business and they need to have somebody that can then come in and sort of take over the day-to-day -day running of those greater expertise. So there was kind of, a number there were a number of priorities that they needed to consider and how they're going to achieve those and they're not going to achieve all of those overnight if they start with that person that's going to run the ship then actually they don't have the ship yet to be run right. um but if they take on too big a ship then suddenly without someone to run it they've got a big job so it's a case of kind of looking at right where do we want to get to what does what does good, what does good look like to us um, so, um, you know, these, these, these things are, are coming up down the line. How do we want that to look for us? How do we want that to, to operate? And what do we need to do to get there? One of the key things from my point of view in that context is around the commercial understanding and link from the HR point of view. Sort of sitting at the top table and being involved in the decisions is great. To be in that position to make real use of the opportunity, you've got to have a good commercial understanding of business objectives and how businesses run, what they are seeking to achieve. So from an HR point of view, I think my view is that you need people who are very, very commercially switched on. And I don't mean simply in the sense of commercially money-wise. I mean organisationally, whatever your business is set up to do, whether you're a charity, not-for-profit, uh, environmentally driven, uh, customer success driven or money driven, the objectives of the business have to be rooted 
very firmly in the HR team. They have to understand and really connect with what the business is setting out to achieve. When an HR team has managed to achieve that and is seen as a, a, an equal and a valuable part of that discussion rather than, if you like, the also run that gets asked to implement some of the infrastructure, then you will genuinely start to see difference. And it happens everywhere. This isn't rocket science, it's not new. There are loads and loads of fantastic HR professionals out there who are doing this. And in many cases are really leading organisational change on the basis that they've won the argument of saying, instead of going through a mass redundancy programme, let's try and look at this in a different way. We have talented people who've worked in an organisation for a long period of time, who are dedicated, who are trustworthy, who we can retrain, reskill, reuse. I mean, the world's changed dramatically and always will. I think it's fascinating to me that human beings seem to have this mindset saying, oh, we all hate change, but you'll never actually see a species that changes more all the time because of technology and because of what we do with our brains. It's amazing how much humans change. And just looking at things like the way that the world works now, and over three years ago, yeah, I'd have a Zoom meeting once in a blue moon and it would be this very clunky, awkward platform that no one felt comfortable on. It's a completely normal part of work now in terms of how to use Zoom. If you mention my ability to do sh screen sharing, that's not fair. Uh, but in general, the technology is there and we, we simply adapt really quickly. So in this context of organisational design and development, development and design, whichever way you want to say it, um, it really is about looking at this, the, the workforce and the people in your business as an investment and making decisions based on how do we structure the organisation and make sure we've got the right people in the right place to deliver whatever that new driver may be or new objective may be. Yes, it can result in redundancies because sometimes you'll have people who can't fit and who don't fit into the new world or whatever, but it's, it's definitely about looking at the people as an investment who are you know, very important to that new future. I agree, yes, and I think the other side of that as well is, so you talk, you talk there about looking at what the business objectives are, having a good understanding of what the business objectives are, and then plan your workforce or, or, or plan your organisation around those priorities. Um, but also one of the things that we talk a lot about is, you know, happier, happier employees, engaged employees will deliver better for your business. Um, so with that slant on it as well, it's not just looking at, and business objectives, it's also looking at the objectives of those in your team and seeing how you can fit those in um, or, or work around those. Um, it, again, marries exactly with your point of kind of looking at, at what resources that you've got there, but um, and how, how you can make that resource, i.e. your people, um, how you can make that fit the business objectives. But yeah, I think it's important as well to remember that um, personal objectives of your employees and how that can fit into? It, it's absolutely not about working in silos. A really, really good point. So it's fine to say you know, HR at the top table, but this is done through engagement and employees have a huge amount of say. And strangely enough, I don't, I've never understood the concept of why 
for some reason, the executives in an organization think they are the only people who have ideas that might work for a business. Uh, people who are doing the jobs are often the very best people to come up with solutions to overcome challenges. So it may well be that they've actually got an answer that they can fix the obstacle anyway, or come up with plans and ideas which really do make a positive difference. It goes back to Japanese businesses use Kaizen as a methodology where employees often come up with fantastic ideas. And I'm ancient, so you know, Sony Walkman, I think, was a classic idea that came from the shop floor and became an absolutely massive success commercially for an organization. And the idea was from the shop floor. So this isn't about working in isolation. I certainly think senior teams have to make decisions. They have to take responsibility. They're the people, you know, the leaders in the organization are the ones setting the direction to, for people to follow. But that HR piece shouldn't disconnect from the fact that the employees and the people who are in the business have a lot to add and a lot to say in that framework and in that organisational design piece. Yes, absolutely. Um, I think as well, the, yeah, it's about, it's about thinking outside the box, isn't it? It's about, it's about having an issue and sometimes, not even necessarily an issue because that's quite a negative word, but having a, a scenario that's on the horizon and thinking outside the box about how we're going to achieve it. Um, I think as well, the other thing is to look at the market, look at your competition, um, look at what other people are doing as well. Um, so um, we've had that when we've been looking at, um, at recruitment. Um, sometimes we look at what roles are out there, what, what other people are offering. We've had it when it comes to reward as well. Um, so benchmarking what your... Um, what your industry is doing um, from a reward point of view in terms of attracting new clients. So there's, there's, there, yeah, there's, there's lots of ways that HR can can help and support in this journey. And I think it's it's like you say, it's it's making sure that everybody has an equal voice at that table and all all the people involved in your business have some level of say in in where you go. Where you go next? I think in the SME community in particular, the challenges are probably different in some ways to those in larger organisations and bigger corporate environments. Often SMEs are owner managed and people that the owner therefore is the person often carrying the, the stress, the responsibility, that horrible realisation that things aren't going as well as possible. So it can be quite difficult. I guess our, our, the challenge from, from an SME point of view, and obviously where we step in is uh, and help out, is to try and take some of that stress away by helping people realise that it isn't always just on your shoulders. Having other people and experts to go to and talk to about this, to come up with solutions. Again, it comes back to that idea of, you know, why do you think you're the only one who's got the ideas to fix the problem? I think Business owners and, and people running in SMEs, it's really important for them not to feel that they simply have to carry that burden all the time and actually do engage. It's about communication and, and transparency again. I think uh, most people are perfectly aware of the world that we live in, whether that's a, a world of plenty and everything's going well or a world of challenge where it's more difficult. We're, we're very much in the latter at the moment. Um, we've been through a, an extremely difficult period with the pandemic. Uh, the vast majority of people have come out the other side and are still 
um, operating successfully in terms of businesses. There's, there's been lots of opportunity created as a result of that. We're now going through a different, more, if you like, traditional economic cycle, if you like. Um, that presents different challenges. But again, looking at this and not taking that knee-jerk reaction of just cutting every time is probably a really good piece of advice for a lot of business owners. Um, it's quite easy to take those hard but relatively straightforward decisions to cut cost. Looking slightly longer down the line, now, economic cycles are cycles, so naturally once you've come out of the other side of a difficult time, there'll be a bounce and you'll start on the upward turn of rebuilding again. It's quite hard, so often when you're, if you've gone through a cutting process, it can be very difficult to come out the other side. You don't have the resource to take the opportunities the market's suddenly creating for you. So looking at this on a longer term basis sometimes is also valuable. Of course, and I think there's a point there as well on uh, learning from it. So once you do come out the other side, um, having a wash up, um, because like you say, especially things like recessions and, and these sorts of challenges that businesses face, they, they will come round again. So having a wash up and just saying, are there any things that we can learn from this? You know, if we face these challenges again, even if they're not identical, but similar, what can we learn that will put us in a better position next time, make us more resilient, make us more able to deal with something out of our control? I think anything in, anything in the people space is always dynamic. I, th I think the message for me is um, being proactive rather than being reactive. It's always good to be thinking ahead and trying to at least have scenarios in your mind of plans, that, you know, things that may or may not happen, engage your workforce fully. And absolutely accept that you know, we do go through difficult cycles in business and in commerce. Um, we're in the middle of one now, but we've got very used to change. That means that we should be more able to deal with changing environments around us. But I think putting your organisation central to that thinking all the time is the key to helping you successfully navigate these difficult times. You know, really work on trying to make sure you've got the right people in the right place doing the right things to address the business needs and being honest with yourselves in those areas. You've got to be very frank and very honest. Um, it is a challenging time. It's a huge topic and one that I'm sure we'll come back to again in the not too distant future. But I hope uh, what you've listened to has been valuable and enjoyable. And of course, we wish you every success in uh, sailing through these choppy waters. Thank you.